Miguel Matos Gonzalez coming to you on Firme. Yeah! Firme! The Cuento y Arts podcast for gente and our gente amigos también. So, hey, yeah, as we were talking yesterday about the Shirley card, we had talked about how that was a, I guess you could say, a color standard for photography back in the day. Yeah, that, as I think about it a little more, and I realize in the 90s, there was a time when I worked for just just a very brief period of time. It was more like a part-time thing at a camera store. They got 
adept at talking, you know, my, my dad's a very, you know, conversational type of person that they just start to, to talk and conversations go wherever, I guess maybe I get that from him, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, it's not but say, you know, they were, they were just talking and, and uh, they realized, wow, you know, we were both in the military, we both have this hobby and, you know, they, they became good friends and, um, my dad, whenever he wanted to try a camera, he would go, you know, buy one from, from his friend. His friend's name is Ed. They also shared the same last name, ironically. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he would go buy one, and then he'd go he'd trade it out for another one, and so on and so forth. And, and Ed, he made enough money that he didn't have to sell from the trunk of his car anymore. He put down some money on a building on San Pedro, about a mile and a quarter from inside of Loop 410, and he's very proud of that, you know, and I, I don't blame him, that's, that's a big step, man, that's a big step, and he did, and he started the camera exchange, and, um, yeah, that's, that's what happened there, he, he put together a professional level camera store that, that also had hobby type of equipment, it had new equipment, always the latest, and it even had a lot of used, you know, pre-owned type of cameras that that was taken care of. They were they were serviced and you know given a, a, a check and lube, whatever, and you know a clean lube and adjust, as they say, a CLA. And he he sold used cameras. He had some vintage cameras there. Some some equipment was not for sale. It was part of his personal collection. Uh, camera, uh, you know, rarities and things that he's collected, and him being in the service, well, he traveled all over Europe, and he was stationed, you know, in Japan and all over, that he had access to start collecting all these cameras at a very young age, and um, that's that's what sparked his interest into photography, is, is being in the military and being stationed out into these, these places where cameras were abundant and they were cheap you know you go to Europe you could buy a Rolleiflex a Leica for you know next to nothing man and those are some of the the best quality crafted cameras you know ever that you know he he really enjoyed them he learned a lot about photography and and um yeah so he he started his collection at a very young age and it's it's truly a, a family business because now that he's retired, uh, and this was a few years ago, his his son, Ed Jr., took over the business and works it with his older sister. And um, now Ed's son, the third, I believe, now he is a part of the family business and he he's, you know, working with dad and grandpa and grandpa comes by just to hang out, you know, he, he doesn't work there anymore, but I mean, being a retired fella, he just comes by, and he hangs out just to talk about cameras, you know, just get out of the house, go do something for a few hours, and, you know, go kind of sit back and, and look at the store and watch everything happen and think, wow, you know, I, I started this, you know, I started this from the trunk of my car at a flea market, and because of people like my dad, that saw his interest and connected with him and believed in him grew an amazing 
family business, you know, and that's that's where it starts, building those relationships to build that that trust and build into a family business. But you know, it just it was great. It was great seeing that, being a part of it too. So yeah, when when I was at at the Wolf Camera, um, we had those Shirley cards in stock and we sold them to pros. A lot of people used them. Some amateurs too. Some really, you know, advanced amateurs used them. And I remember that the mini lab they had there was, you know, that's the, the negative to that Shirley card. That's what they used for standardized color correction. And it was always based on that light-skinned woman with the brown hair. It was always based on that. And I don't know if you've ever been to San Anto, but like the majority of people that live there are Mexican people. And the majority of those Mexican people, they brown. <laughs> they very brown. <laughs> and, and we have a very large black community in San Anto. And um, yeah, so as you could imagine, color correction it was never standardized it was always having to be adjusted a few stops to compensate for the larger larger you know population with darker skin and what I remember about the time I moved from wolf camera to the camera exchange I wasn't there for very long but you know I worked there for a little bit and um, what's his name Ed you know and I were talking and um, we were just talking about kind of like some history, you know, some photographic history. We're talking about chemistry and paper and stuff like that. And um, I shared with him, you know, who my father was. He had no idea that my dad was one of his first customers. He had no, absolutely no idea. It was so funny, too, because one time my dad came in and he came in to to pick me up so he could, you know, treat me to lunch or whatever. And um, so just there with Ed talking about paper and my dad walks in and he's here and he says hi to Ed. And, you know, he just waves, he just nods at me and I nod back at my dad. And and he and Ed are just talking about, you know, whatever, just so how's everything, you know, how are the kids? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's cool. How's the day going? You know, how are you selling? a lot of cameras today it's like oh yeah well no it's a slow day you know mainly it's been paper and film to the college kids and, you know just just talking just chit chat you know like always and then he my dad says something like well he says I don't want to take too much of your time he says I'm gonna and and, and before he could finish his his sentence you know Ed, he just said oh yeah go ahead go ahead he'll sell you anything and he's like well, I don't want to buy anything. He says, he says, I want to take my son to lunch. And he's like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? That's your son? And he's like, yeah. And then ever since then, um, yeah, things changed for me there. And I, I didn't really want to stay there much longer. But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, my, my dad and I, we, we took off. We went for lunch. Uh, came back. And then, you know, Ed was still there, and we, you know, we were talking more and more about about what it was like coming into photography when 
digital was a talk. You know, it wasn't prominent. They didn't have a lot of digital cameras. It was just the big talk of there's something new on the way kind of thing. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to hear that, to be a part of that transition when digital, when digital came alive and came into its own. And I am truly, I think I'm pretty blessed to have been a part of that transition just to go from film to digital and be able to use both and see the beginning of Photoshop, see the the first 1.3 megapixel camera and be able to hold it and take a picture with it and say, wow, I don't have to process anything anymore. I don't have to mix any chemistry. I can just take the picture and look at it right here. And I didn't care that it was 1.3 megapixels. I mean, my phone's got better resolution than that. But the fact that it could be done, you know, it was it was amazing. And then to see the evolution of the, you know, the 2.3 megapixel, the 4 megapixel, the 5.6 megapixel, and just on and on. It's like, oh my gosh, we're in double digits now. It's a 13 megapixel camera. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Yeah, as we got into that talk about film and digital, you know, we talked about that Shirley card. And my dad was like, he says, I only used it for the 18% gray square on it, you know. He says, I don't know why I ever used it because everybody I photographed, he said, they're all Moreno, man. They're all dark skinned. He's like, I don't, he's like, I, I could never really use it. And Ed was like, well, well, it's so much better because it's got, you know, all the color correction and it's got this. And he just kept talking it up. And my dad was like, but none of that really applies for our skin tone. You know, it, it doesn't. It confuses it. That's what it does in the dark room. When you use a color meter and when you're trying to find that value, all that you can really use is that 18% gray square. He says, I'd, I'd rather have just a gray card. Just a good old-fashioned 18% gray card. That's all I'd rather have because that is how you balance exposure. Yeah. And Ed was like, no, but you've got the skin tone and this and that. And, and I mean, Ed was lighter skin than my dad. And Ed was married to a light-skinned woman. And if you look at his children and to his grandchild, they progressively get lighter and lighter in skin tone, in hair color, in eye color. And I thought, oh, well, that's why that Shirley card worked for you. Because you, the dark-skinned Mexican, was photographing the light-skinned family. So, of course, it would work for you. It would work wonderfully. But my dad... He didn't just photograph light-skinned people. He, he photographed, um, you know, all ranges of skin tone from, you know, very dark-skinned individuals, black.
light, light skin, uh, a medium tone, and someone with a very dark tone skin. He says if they could represent something like that, then that might be a little more beneficial. And I said, that's true, Dad, but when you look at the color of a person's skin, it's not just the color. It's also, and I didn't know how to say it at the time, but I was like, it's also like a, almost like a richness within their skin. You know, some people can be brown, and then some people can have a very rich red undertone of brown, which could throw everything off. Light-skinned people, because those 
whatever. And if a white person were to set up a camera and start taking pictures, nobody would blink an eye. But he says, when I take my camera downtown, people want to know why I'm taking pictures. People ask me, don't take their picture, or they ask me why I'm taking their picture. I've been told by policemen, you know, he says, you need to put that camera away here in a public place. And he says, I I don't argue with, with them. He says, I respect them. But he says, as a, as a black man with a camera, it's either something that makes them feel uncomfortable somehow, or it's just a straight up threat to them. And I was like, wow. And at that time, the majority of people I was photographing were, you know, Mexican-American people. And um, he says, you should come with me sometime on a photo walk. Just come with me one day and you'll, you'll see what I mean. And then I was like, you know what? I said, let's do that. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, not too long after that, I met him at the Institute of Texan Cultures, which is near downtown. And I had my camera with me. And he had his camera in hand. At the time, I had a, a, a Nikon FM. And I put a 28mm on there. Just camera and lens, just to walk around, you know, a few rolls of film in my pocket. And um, he had something similar. SLR, single lens, and uh, a few rolls of film in his pocket, same thing, you know, and we just, we just walked, and we just talked about, you know, all sorts of things, he was like, man, he's like, the lighting, the lighting is so good today, it's a beautiful day for photography, there's just enough cloud cover to make the, the light nice and soft, and, and, you know, contrast isn't too harsh, he says, because when you have bright sun, have hard contrast he says it, it does make it hard to, to photograph people that are colored like me he says it, it makes it hard so we're better to photograph under a little bit of a shady condition you know or you can go to like a shaded area and use a flash to fill in because that's how you're gonna get the detail you know he says you get the detail right here and he's pointing to the side of the eyes he's like like you get the detail right here on the eyes and around the mouth and when people smile you you know they smile with their eyes they kind of squint and, and you see that in the picture you see that that texture of their skin he says yeah that's how you photograph a black person and I was like really and I was like wow you know that's pretty interesting and as we went on our walk sure enough you know we had our cameras out in our hands we just walked around people moved away from us we actually got approached by a few people saying, hey, if, if you're taking pictures here, don't don't let me be in your picture. I don't want to be in your picture. Yeah. And, and he was approached by a police officer that, you know, said basically same thing, you know, said, um, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to put your camera away. And he's like, well, where can I put it? I mean, just, it's in my hand. <laughs> you know, I don't have a camera bag. And he's like, well, you have to put it somewhere. And he says, you, you can't have it out in public like that. And I said, well, what about that guy over there? I said, that guy's got a camera out. And he's got a camera bag. He was a white guy, a tourist. And, and the cop looked 
over there? And he says, no, sir, I'm talking to you. And I'm going to talk to you now. And he pointed at me. And he says, yeah, he's going to have to ask you to put your cameras away. And I said, and what? I mean, where can I put it? <laughs> and he was like, well, you're going to have to find a way. But either way, put them, put them away. I don't want to see them out. Okay? Because you're, you're disturbing the peace. And it's inappropriate to have a camera in a public space like this. And you're making people uncomfortable. And I want you to put your cameras away. And I said to him, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll put it behind my back because I can't take a picture behind my back. So, you know, it was just, it was something else to be a part of that. And, um, and yeah, never really thought that such a creative medium that I love so much could actually be racist. I had never experienced that until I went on a photo walk with him uh, one day downtown in San Anto and um, yeah it was interesting it was really something else there's another story in regards to I guess inequities in photography that um, I'll share with you again but I, I want to go get the name of that guy I'm trying to remember it right now but hijo, it'll come to me I'll, I'm going to go find that name and I will come back <laughs> so I'll finish my story on the next episode. <laughs> bueno.